I really like classic cars back from the 50s and 60s, but I narrow it down even more because I like classic cars when they're kept in their original condition. The engine, the wheels, the interior, the colors, sometimes they can really mess them up. Something that takes me back to the 50s and 60s. Cars that I used to watch go by my house and I knew every year, make, and model as they were going by. They were all made in the U.S. Detroit was booming, cranking out cars. Cars that someone like me could work on. The 53 Ford I had, you know, I changed the universal joint in it. You know, you change the points and plugs, which they don't even have anymore, the points. And they had real bumpers. Okay, a bumper jack and real bumpers made out of steel. And there was real spare tires. And there was a front bench seat. That came in handy. And they wouldn't be safe by today's standards. I have to admit, there, there's a couple options that I would like in a car. A 61 Chevy is my favorite. I had one. And... You know, I'd like the radio updated. I'd like air conditioning and seat belts. And my brother-in-law, back several years ago, bought a 57 Chevy convertible, sight unseen, from Robert E. Lee down south someplace. And Robert said it was all original. And had it shipped up north and when my brother-in-law got it it had a, a ford radio in it the front seat was not original to chevy even uh, so you need to be careful what you buy well i like to watch the meekum auto auctions and i usually fast forward through the the ones that have been modified the ones that cost six and seven figures and ones that I'm just not interested in a lot of the, the foreign cars and I dream about having the money to buy the ones I like the older I get the more I seem to be drawn to older things like me and some of the older things are making a comeback which can or cannot be good the other day at church, I saw this girl with bell-bottom pants on. Well, maybe it's just because I'm old that I notice more old stuff. But I praise the Lord for those reminders. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that as old as your word is, that it's still very new today. And I just praise you for that. Because without it, Lord, we would be lost, lost, lost. And it applies today as much, if not more, than what it did two, three thousand years ago. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll open our ears, our minds, our hearts, that we would hear the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Diane and I were doing our devotions the other day. Uh, it was the uh, daily bread and this topic just kind of jumped out at me well then 
when we got done with that, we started doing a new devotional with our kids and some other folks, and it was the same topic. So I figured the Lord wanted me to go that direction. One of those issues that we don't like to talk about. Uh, well, at least I find it sometimes hard to talk about. But this message is about anger. Okay, this is something that we all deal with. Admit it or not, there's things that we get angry about. Some people deal with that issue more than others. And for some people, it's really a big issue in their lives. There may be occasional issues or maybe daily issues that get us angered. Anger management. I don't remember that being a thing earlier in my life. But now some people are sentenced uh, to go to anger management. Or some people are told, uh, maybe by their boss, that they need to attend anger management. So what does the Bible say about anger? You know, I find it funny or interesting, whatever. Uh, when you look for a topic in the Bible, how much you find. You know, it's like if you're going to buy a new car and you, you know, looked at them, you've done all your research and everything. It seems like you see that car all over the place where before you didn't notice it. That's the way it is with God's word. Well, the first passage that we find is in Genesis chapter 3. Okay, Adam and Eve, they let that serpent trick them into having some of the fruit that they weren't supposed to have. Well, God was not happy with Adam and Eve and the serpent. And, and he, in his anger, kicked them out of the garden and changed their lives, our lives, uh, for an eternity. Well, another early passage that I think centers on the Lord with the Israelites and, boy, I can understand that. Okay, when I read about the trek to the promised land, I have to think, what is the matter with those people? Or more likely, what is the matter with those idiots? Okay, time and time again, they managed to get the Lord angry with them. There's a great example in Exodus 32. Moses had been meeting with God and received the Ten Commandments. And while he was on the mountain, the Israelites, well, they got impatient. You know, why is it taking him so long? You know, why do we have to wait for him? So it was just taking more time than what they thought was necessary. So they wanted a God that they could see and touch and, you know, worship, uh, sacrifice to. And so Aaron says, well, just give me all the gold jewelry that you have, okay? Gather that all up. And so Aaron took it, and he threw it into the fire. And presto, change out came a calf, a god for the masses. Well, God was aware of what was happening. We're told this in Exodus 32, 9 and 10. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. And they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them 
Then I will make you into a great nation. God was ticked, to say the least. Well, then in verses 11 through 13, Moses went to the Lord to try and cool things down. He said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? He's saying, you know, hey, you know, look what's been accomplished so far. You know, you don't want to wipe them out here in the middle of nowhere. Then in verse 14, it says, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. But that was not the end of anger in this passage. Because Moses headed down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, verses 19 and 20, says, When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it into powder, scattered it on the water, and make the Israelites drink it. <laughs> that is anger. Okay, personally, I hope that Moses gave Aaron a double portion of that. Because Aaron was the one that was really the center of everything that happened. So we can find many other places, especially in Exodus, where the Lord became angry with his people. And they certainly deserved it. Now, the book of Proverbs addresses the topic of anger many times, sometimes not using the word anger or angry, but it certainly is implied. In Proverbs 15.1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And in 22, verse 24, it says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. And then there's a verse we find in Joel that maybe it sounds familiar to you. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. And, you know, when God is angry... He's been really trying not to be, and he's just sort of let some things slide until he gets to a certain point. Well, now let's take a look at Jesus in anger. Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19 give us their take on what happened with Jesus in the temple. On John chapter 2, as things are a little different and may cause people to what happened and when it happened, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have this incident definitely happening after Palm Sunday. John has it happening before the Passover, at an earlier time. Now, the same as the other three, but it seems like it's early in Jesus' ministry and not in his last week. Well, there's two possible explanations that the Bible scholars have come up with. Number one is maybe there was two cleansing of the temple. Okay. Matthew, Mark, and Luke only wrote of one, and John saw that because he wrote later. 
and said, well, I'm going to write about the other one, the first one that happened. And the second explanation may be that John placed that cleansing where he did to show the power of God that was to come and remind people of who he is and how he was in the Old Testament. Whenever it happened, Jesus's anger is clearly, clearly seen in Mark 11, verses 15 and 16. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Whenever it happened, I like John's writing in chapter 2, verse 15. It says, so Jesus made a whip out of cords. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't mention that. But can you picture that? I mean, that's anger. Here's another passage about anger involving Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse, or in verses 48 to 42, or excuse me, 38 to 42, Jesus and the disciples had been invited to have dinner at Martha's house. And Martha, she's busy getting dinner ready, and all, cause all of a sudden she has an additional 13 people at her house. And Martha's sister Mary, uh, this is what it tells us in verse 39. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Okay, so Martha, or excuse me, Mary, you know, she said, I don't have a chance to, to be able to, to talk with Jesus or listen to Jesus' teaching, so I'm going to be right here. Well, Martha was having none of this. In verse 40, it says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said to Mary, don't be so stinking lazy, Mary. Get up and help your sister. Nah, that's not what he said. You know, but I remember reading that many years ago when I was totally unfamiliar with the Bible and thinking, yeah, Mary, let's get to work here. But that's not the way Jesus addressed it. Martha was angry because she had not chosen what was most important. All she could see was a bunch of hungry people not seeing the Savior. Mary had chosen wisely, and that angered Martha. Another passage when Jesus, when someone thought that they had the best idea. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 51, Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, and he, he sent some of the disciples ahead into a Samaritan village. And the Samaritans did not want Jesus there. And then in verses 54 to 56, it says, When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Now, James and John thought they had the right idea. Okay, they were angry with the Samaritans because they had rejected Jesus. And they thought they had the solution. 
but Jesus did not agree with them. His solution, move on. Okay, pick your battles wisely. Now, we know that Paul has something to say about anger, and he does so several times. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 7, he tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And then in verse 31 of chapter 4, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. <clears throat> so when he says, don't give the devil a foothold, you know, Satan would love to keep us angry. Because when we keep ourselves angry, we're not doing the things of the Lord. We're doing the things that he wants us to do, acting in a way that he wants us to act. And then in Colossians, in verses 8, in chapter 3, it says, But now you must also rid yourselves of such, such things of these, anger, rage, and malice. Now, Jesus' brother James says this in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me close with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That needs to be our goal. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks how true your word is. And Lord, I know I need to um, be more faithful to your teachings on anger. Uh, because sometimes, you know, we can all get angry over things that, that just aren't right. And they can seem really big in our lives and take over our lives. So Lord, I just pray that my brothers and sisters will, will seek out the peace that they need rather than the anger that the world throws at them. And Lord, I lift up anyone that maybe has um, stumbled upon this podcast. And Lord, maybe anger is something that they're dealing with in their lives and something that they need to uh, make sure that they're working on and get more right with you and get more peace in their lives. So Lord, let them know that you're there ready to help them with that issue and every other issue in their lives. Father, help them to pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, who died for my sins and rose from the dead and is coming back again. Lord, help me to be ready. Help me to love as you love. In Jesus' name, amen.